This episode was recorded on the land of the Wiradjuri people. Welcome to Season 2 of Teacher Insights from Catalyst, the podcast that explores the science of learning and its practical implementation in the classrooms of Catholic Education, Canberra Goulburn. I'm your host, Luke Mooney, and in each episode, we'll hear from teachers and leaders who are implementing evidence-based teaching practice in their schools and classrooms. I'm excited about what is to come in the year ahead. To kick off Season 2, I chat with Penny Lucas, Instructional Leader of Literacy and Kindergarten Year 1 and Year 2 teacher at Trinity Catholic Primary School in Murrumburra, New South Wales. Penny is also a contributor to the Syntax Project, of which she explains in our conversation. Don't forget to check out the show notes as we've attached some of Penny's excellent resources. So without further introduction, here's my conversation with Penny. Hi Penny, welcome to Teacher Insights. Hi Luke, thank you for coming all the way out to Murrumburra to see us out here. It's lovely to have you. It's my pleasure. To start today, can you tell us about your role here at Trinity and a bit about the school as well? So I'm at Trinity out in Murrumburra. We're about an hour and a half from Canberra. We're a small school. We're very proud of our small school. Uh, We have 36 students, so three classes. We have a K-1-2, a 3-4 and a 5-6 class this year. I am the K-1-2 teacher and I am also the instructional leader of literacy is my role. So I get half a day a week to fulfil that role and uh, within that comes designing some intervention programs, but within that also just, I guess I oversee the implementation of some of those English-based programs, um, like the Writing Revolution and uh, the Low Variation Curriculum for English, those sorts of things. A little while back, you volunteered to be part of the Syntax Project, in addition to your teaching role. Can you tell us a bit about this? I would love to tell you about the Syntax Project we had started the Catalyst journey here at Trinity. I, I've only been a kindergarten teacher for about four years. Um, so that science of reading, coming in with my kindergarten role, coming in with the Catalyst with science of learning, I, it was you know buzzing around. I joined a Facebook group called Reading Science in Schools and I was just starting to hear a lot about explicit instruction, a lot about coming back to sentence level writing in the lower grades and a lot about uh, engagement norms and things like that. So from the Facebook page, Reading Science in Schools, I'd been in that for a little while and got to know, I guess, the names of some people who I really respected the articles they shared. I respected the information that they were suggesting to other people, you know, if somebody asked a question. And then I saw that um, sort of a volunteer program for creating a bank of explicit instruction lessons on on syntax or really on sentence level skills um, was put out there for schools to participate in. So uh, I'm not a big reader of uh, big texts, non-fiction texts. I love reading, but I'm a better reader of small, shorter articles and, you know, if it's Anita Archer direct instruction, I have not read that whole text, but I will see snippets and read them and I like to do. So uh, we're, a, we're a small school rurally who really struggles for resources and, and uh, money to put it simply. 
So for us to get involved in extra training or things that are not put on uh, by CE is virtually impossible. It's just not a possibility. So this was free. There was professional learning provided and we had access then to a whole bank from K to 6 of these explicit instruction lessons. So that was a big bonus for us. So uh, my principal, Kaz, was very happy for me to put my hand up, but it did. I had to commit the other staff at Trinity as well. And thankfully, my two colleagues were enthusiastic as well, and I'm very grateful for that. So we got in contact and, we, you know, we were accepted as a school. We had to sort of talk about what journey we'd been on and that we had a little bit of background knowledge in explicit instruction and engagement norms. And then we we watched some PL. Uh, we had to get access to the William Van Cleve book, Writing Matters, and have our heads around that a little bit. And then Steph Lalieve, who is uh, involved with Serpentine Primary School, she was sort of guiding the whole project with, with other people. She then split up syntax, I guess, concepts or skills or sentence level skills and concepts into a scope and sequence. And she would give each uh, school or each teacher two lessons that they had to develop slides to. So um, I was developing year one slides and I had two concepts that I had to develop. So for example, one of mine was to define pronouns and use correct pronouns within a sentence. So pronoun reference. Uh, And we had you know, we had time to do it, then it had to be edited and, and revised and things like that. And then we got access to the other school's bank of lessons as well. Great. Yeah. So can you actually define what the Syntax Project is or why it was created? So the Syntax Project is really a bank of PowerPoint slides based on a scope and sequence from kindergarten to year six, term one to term four. And those slides use direct instruction to develop a concept or a skill or to teach a concept or a skill uh, within uh, for your class. So they use quite a, a specific little recipe, I guess, for their slide presentation. They have the icons that a lot of people would be familiar with that we use on those slides. And, the, yeah, they have this recipe, well, I call it a recipe, that they go through with the slides that has really, really taught me a lot about how to introduce a new concept to my class. So when you say icons, you're meaning um, icons that represent um, this is a te- the teacher. Coral. Coral yeah, reading. Exactly. This is where whiteboards. students' responses on whiteboards. Yep. Thumbs up, thumbs down, polls, those, those engagement norms that are exactly the same as the right to learn slides, actually, which is a really lovely shared language of learning then between these two resources, I suppose. Can you tell us a bit about the the recipe of yeah. an EDI lesson? Yeah, this is a game changer for me. As I said, I'm a bit of a doer. So I'd been learning a lot about Rosenshine's principles in, of instruction, uh, learning a lot from the great Catalyst and HITP's sort of um, presentations, but then putting it into practice with what what we had to do for this syntax project was really for me, I guess, how I transferred almost that knowledge um, and and being able to apply it. So we were just given blank slides and an example lesson that was on A positives. And 
we, we had to keep the same flow through all of our presentations. So, you know, it started off with a learning objective, which I think is not only great for the students, but it really clarifies in your own mind what you're trying to teach. Um, so, you know, my learning objective for this example, pronoun um, presentation or pronoun lesson was we're learning to define pronouns and use the correct one within a sentence. And then you move into concept development. So that's the second stage of, of the recipe, I suppose, where you are presenting the concept and William Van Cleve is just so wonderful to get concepts from. They're easy to understand. They're usually in child language. I recommend it really highly if you're not sure how to explain, you know, what a pronoun is and you want to use the correct language to go to that writing matters text. So, you know, for me, the, the, listing the concept on this pronoun example was a noun names a person, place, thing or idea. Pronouns replace nouns. Pronouns keep our writing from sounding monotonous and repetitive. So you have that concept on the first few slides. You present examples, you present non-examples. You have your check for understandings there on the slides as well. Um, I have to say I'm moving away from having those on the slides. They're really for the teacher. So sometimes if your slides are getting a bit text heavy, it's not a bad idea to just plop them in your notes and, and be using those you know, why is this an example of a pronoun? So those check for understandings. So that's your concept development. How are you checking for understanding? So using those engagement norms. So you might have um, a whiteboard, you might have, you know, multiple choice question, thumbs yep. up, thumbs down. So that active participation is your check for understanding, turn and talk, pop stick, a non-volunteer, using all those engagement norms for active participation for checking for understanding. Yeah, great, great. Um, and then after you've introduced the concept, you've presented examples, non-examples, you've checked for understanding, you reach the hinge point question, which is the first time I'd come across that term. And I know that this year with the Catalyst program, uh, we watched a great presentation on hinge point questions, but, you know, we'd seen this a couple of years ago with the syntax project. So your hinge point question is your giant check for understanding, really. It's where you know whether to move on or to not move on. So... It's that point where you've got to be certain that 80, at least 80% of your class are understanding the concept that you've just introduced them to. And if they don't, then you'll have a few more slides for concept development. So you'll have a backup with re-explanation slides, or you can move straight on to your I do, we do, you do. So um, the hinge point question really needs to be multiple answers so that it can't be a guess for the students. That's a really important point that, you know, we got taught that you you present multi-answer so that you can be certain that the students, if they're choosing, say your example is what sentence contains pronouns and you've got A to E sentences, um, you know, the correct answers are A and D. And if children are writing that on their whiteboards and you say chin it, you can see that, that if they've got A and D, chances are that they do understand that concept. It's not just just a guess. So they have to have both of them? Uh, yeah, to be to be at Mastery, to have understood that, absolutely, yeah. they have to have both. Um, I've only got 10 students in my class, so 80% is really neat. I can tell that 8 out of 10 um, have got it and you move on or, or you go back and yeah. use those re-explanation yeah. slides. I can just hear a train in the background mm. coming past. So when you 
developed the hinge point questions, it must take a, quite a lot of thought to make sure that you've developed the question in a way that you are, you're getting the right feedback to move on. Yeah, I think it probably gets harder as you move up the grades possibly, but you're still at sentence level writing. So really if that's if you're doing the correct check for understandings throughout with your questionings, okay, tell me what a pronoun is, what's a pronoun, you know, correspondence response or, um, it, you know, if you're doing that simple check for understanding, really your sentences should just reflect what you're looking for. You're not introducing a, a too I guess, too deep a skill yet. So I haven't found that it is uh, too hard to develop a hinge point question. It's really just more examples and non-examples popped into, say, A to E. Yep, yep. So after this um, question, what comes next in the lesson structure? Yeah, so if if you can move on, you've got 80% who um, are getting it, then you can move to your skill development slide. So we've had a concept development now where we're really looking at skill development, which is where you move into the I do and you work through examples teacher-led. So some more examples there, teacher-led. The we do where you work through it together and you might have minimal independent you know, work there that uh, they might be finishing off a sentence if it's a conjunction skill or they might just be matching as opposed to producing it. So in that we do, I think my mantra is often selection is easier than production. So if you've got got it there to select from, then that's that level before producing that skill or producing the work to show me that you know that skill. So the I do, the we do, and then the you do, where it, it's independent completion, but it's still very teacher-led. And then you will move into some independent practice, which might be back at their desks completing a worksheet, which is differentiated if it needs to be. I'm in a K to two. So again, my Ks might just be doing some oral language, some oral sentence construction or, um, you know, some oral level of whatever the skill is, whereas my year twos will be doing good solid production. My year ones or lower year twos might just be still sticking with some selection activities where they're matching pronoun to sentence, those sorts of things. Yes. So that coming, does this come towards now the end of the lesson? Yeah, that comes towards the end of your explicit instruction lesson then. Okay. So you're telling me then, so you've been part of this project and you've developed this lesson on pronouns and there's a lot of other teachers who have also developed a range of lessons um, to do with syntax as well that we can use. Yes, yeah, and there's a whole scope and sequence. And um, if your school's using the writing revolution, they explicitly state if it's a writing revolution sentence level strategy on their website. So they did have a separate website, but now OCA has taken it, uh, the management of that page over. So OCA haven't um, changed anything, but that it's just now easier for, you know, teachers who were, constructing it or Steffler Lever in, in particular, easier for Oka to manage the collection. So if we've got listeners out there who are interested in um, learning more about how to teach writing down to the sentence level, um, this is a really good place to start. It's a really good place to start. And you know, I really recommend that you use them as they are, check through them to make sure that they're, you know, it is humans creating them and just humble teachers. Uh, check through them to make sure that they suit your class. But if you want to go this step further, if you've become used to using them, I will now um, include whatever shared text I have at the end. So if we were doing some, 
um, because but so or we might be adding the you know when detail to our sentences some of those writing revolution strategies I will then relate it specifically to the shared text that I'm using that week which gives me more knowledge about their comprehension le- le- level of that character or the character's motive so you know I encourage once you have gotten used to them to then especially that the slides towards the end where you're moving into independent practice if you just manipulate them slightly to really suit you might be doing you know science you might be doing properties of matter or something so you can just then they become even richer for your classroom great so these we're talking sentence level so obviously people in pri- uh, students in primary school are learning sentence level also suitable for older students in high school too yeah, I would, you know, the writing revolution is certainly, you should still be concentrating on some sentence level activities, uh, definitely in high school before you move on to those text level activities. So, you know, if you go through, I mean, it's A positives, it's um, you know, even the use of parentheses, I know that one of my, the, our 5-6 teacher had to do. So there's certainly high level skills, even though they're sentence level skills, they're, 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 they would be great for high school teachers to be using. So your school took on this, well, you took on the project and then the teachers in your school then started using the lessons from the project. How was the implementation of that taken up? Yeah, so th- that they have a specific scope and sequence on their website. It's broken into term one, term two, term three, term four. Uh, I, we follow here the, the CE's low variation curriculum and so we have to manipulate th- that a little. We, we pick and choose to suit our scope and sequence uh, rather than the scope and sequence that is on there. And, you know, we're a multi-age, multi-stage school, so we can select, you know, sometimes at the end of a year if I'm doing a skill, I might be selecting more from the year two bank of, of lessons rather than selecting from the early term one, year one one. So, you know, it's, it's up to you with flexibility really um, and to suit your own school. So we've got the syntax project and we've also got our low, low variation curriculum that's been provided for us um, in our system. Do these two link together in some way? Yeah, they really they really link together really well. I, I'm not very macro. I, seeing the big picture for me can be a little overwhelming. So, um, I mean, it's not ideal. I am a K12 class. Uh, so following a scope and sequence is always a little bit tricky unless we've created them ourselves. But the low variation curriculum that the CE has put out has been an excellent grounding document, I suppose, for us. Just we've got all these things happening like the writing revolution and, you know, the syntax project that we're involved in. We're doing our explicit instruction programs like Initialit and Spelling Mastery. And this low variation curriculum has shown us how to pace it all, how to tie it all together and has just helped us know where to put it all within a week, within a school week. So within all the low variation curriculum for every grade, there's a sentence level writing and grammar um, part of the low variation curriculum. And that's really where these explicit instruction lessons on syntax, that's where they come in. So usually on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So I might introduce a, a shared text on a Monday and I use the storybooks from Initialit. And then from the low variation curriculum, there are usually two sentence level writing and grammar skills that I'm expected 
to teach. So I will get lessons that suit those those skills. So for example, it might be I can generate a simple sentence that includes a when detail and I'll go to the syntax project. Now that you will find that in the kindergarten scope and sequence, which will just be oral. You will find that in the year one scope and sequence, the year two, and even the year three part of the syntax project. So I will pull the slides that I think suit my students and just use that from there. So, you know, sometimes they're there that I can uh, use. Sometimes I have had to create my own using that recipe that uh, we taught. We were taught being involved in the project. And that just provides me then with a nice sort of 20-minute explicit instruction lesson where I know I am covering that part of the low variation curriculum. And, and from that, you know, from a macro point of view, then I know I am covering our syllabus if I'm following that low variation curriculum as much as I can. So you're talking beyond, um, because you use, you use initial lit here. Yes. So you're talking beyond initial lit. Yeah. So, it, you know, melding that with initial lit into my um, my English block, I suppose. I've really broken my English time. So we have an hour and a half into a literacy block, which is literacy skills. And that's my initial lit time. And that's, uh, I have to teach the kinder initial lit program and the year one initial lit program. And then the activities that go with that. That's when in my literacy block, I'm getting through literacy skills. And then in my English book, I'm moving more onto my writing. So sentence level construction and text level construction in that English block, which are the terms that actually CE with their new English units that they've put out for three to six, sort of the terms they've been using that their literacy block is when they're teaching literacy skills like word level reading and spelling, morphology, grammar, review of vocab, handwriting, reading, fluency and, and typing they've got included. And then the English block for years three to six is when you're looking at text level reading, introducing new vocab words, sentence level writing and text level writing. And I'm, I really like those terms of literacy skills or literacy block and English block. Okay. So what does the English block look like then? Because you talked literacy block and English block before. Yeah. So the whole English time, I suppose, the English period. So it starts with a literacy block for me, which is where we do initial it. Um, so I call it on the on the mat where it's the teacher direct instruction lesson or the explicit instruction lesson. Uh, and I'll start with kindergarten while year one are doing independent activities with my CSA. Then we'll swap over and I'll teach the year one initial lit lesson while kindergarten are doing independent, well, not really independent, they're led by a CSA. So doing activities with the CSA to that, that are based on the concepts that they've just been taught. So I only have four students in kinder and four students in one, so in year one. Um, and that works really well. And then that takes about an hour. And then I have half an hour um, to then get into my, what I'm calling the English block. So we will use a storybook from the initial lit program. I pick and choose a little based on the low variation curriculum. So if in week 28, you know, I'm being asked, being asked to do um, I can write a topic sentence and a concluding sentence for a, dis a paragraph that uh, is a description. Then I'll look for a book that matches good descriptive writing. And that in that half hour, I cover the areas of sentence level writing and grammar, 
vocabulary and comprehension because I'm reading the story and then just asking the literal and inferential questions from the initial lit manual. They're all there. They're amazing. They're rich texts. You know, that's something that I just uh, I use that instead of having to create my own literal and inferential questions. And then it also covers, I cover in that time, paragraph and text level writing. So timing wise, how do you break that up? So across the week is probably how I break that up. So on a um, Monday, then I might, or lesson, so I have my lesson one on a Monday, which is really just reading the storybook and we will do concepts of print. We will look at the beginning, middle and end. So summarising the story, making predictions. And then on a Tuesday, I look at the sentence level writing lesson one that the low variation curriculum is asking of me. So it might be, I can categorise sentences into past, present and future tense. This is in term three, week 28. For which year level? This is for year one. I've yep. been working off this year. Um, so we will do that explicit instruction lesson. It wasn't part of the syntax project, but very similar to that. And then on a Wednesday, I will do lesson two, which is the second part of sentence level writing from the low variation curriculum. So I can generate a simple sentence that includes a when detail. Lesson three, I move over to um, the paragraph and text level writing. So modelled or guided, I can write a topic sentence and concluding sentence and then use the paragraph, the outline to write a paragraph. And then on a Friday, which is Lesson five really is when I move into more, or for my kinders, it's still going to be guided or joint construction. But for my ones and twos, it becomes independent text level writing then. So very cleverly weaved the syntax project with this um, low variation curriculum. And with initial it storybook because it's all there. Why I'm, you know, it's saving me a lot of time. That they've chosen the rich vocab. You've got your T two, T three vocab chosen by professionals who've written the initial lit. You know the multi lit corporation have chosen these great rich vocab. They've within the initial lit manual. There's word work in there. They have like acted out and they have which word fits and so that all it's there for you to use and it it matches really well the low variation curriculum. And then I've got someone. I guess, mapping it for me so that I can feel more confident that I'm covering the curriculum as well as including review and, you know, that mapping to me is a very difficult thing to do. So I was really grateful that CE have done that for it. I mean, I love a multi-stage little (laughs) scope and sequence. It's on my wish list, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's been a a great grounding document for us here with all these new things coming in and um, it's just shown us how to map them out, I think. And so that's taken, you don't have to think about how to do that every year. Yeah. You're just thinking about um, how you're going to teach this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Part of your literacy coordinator role is to lead the implementation of writing revolution at the school? Yeah. Yeah, it was. We all did the training and it's become now for us any new staff that arrive they're given time right at the beginning of the year to do that yep. that training and it's all provided on teams. It's there free. So for us, that's that's a bonus. It's, I guess, one of the most important things for new staff to, to learn about in those beginning weeks of the year. And then using the CE's low variation curriculum is, I guess, how we've made sure we're using it constantly because 
it's mapped out in there for you. Yep. And kindergarten are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kindergarten are, are writing SBOs and um, single paragraph outlines and talking about topic sentences and concluding sentences. And um, I did present to the APs because I, I feel quite passionate about the the flow of that from kindergarten to our high school teachers to be helping our students write multiple paragraphs. It's kind of our job, I think, as as schools. So presenting to the APs to say, you know, even if you don't teach literacy or, or you, you know, you're not the literacy coordinator, it's got to come from, I think, above just getting it, weaving it in. So then this beautiful flow is happening. So our kindergartens are at selection stage and I might present them with a topic or, or an image and I might present them with four sentences and, of course, we've we've unpacked what a topic sentence is, that it tells us the main idea and, you know, from that bank of four they need to choose what they think would be the best topic sentence for that image or for... Um, even a book that we might have been reading, our read aloud, the boy at the back of the class, you know, we sort of weave it in all the time. So then our kindergartens are talking about topic sentences, concluding sentences, supporting detail. They're not yet producing topic sentences, um, especially not at the beginning of kindergarten, but they're certainly learning the language of what it is. They can select them from a bank of, of given sentences and then in year one, we're moving on, building on that where they are producing them or they might be finishing them off. You know, you might help them start it or give them some keywords or phrases right up to our five sixes who are now writing really rich texts. So they're using the, not just a single paragraph outline, using the multiple paragraph outline to create wonderfully persuasive, um, informative text, descriptive texts using the writing revolution strategies and, and I don't know what it is about that single paragraph outline because it's literally a planning template. But what you can get from the students with that scaffold is extraordinary. Some of the things that our three, fours, our, our struggling five, sixes, the way that they've got that scaffold and they've been taught through the writing revolution how to take notes properly and then through the sentence level activities, they've been taught how to take a fragment, which is is on that planning sheet. It's literally a fragment. Their notes are fragments to then turn them into a sentence. You know, maybe they use they know that writers, good writers, put the when first, or so they're turning them into sentences, which then become paragraphs. Which it's it's really really lovely to see how supported I think our writers feel from that very, it's a really simple template, the single paragraph outline, but it just seems to work. The writing revolution um, works on the basis that you are writing about the content that you're learning about. Yes. Are you linking that with other curriculum areas when yeah. you're teaching English? Yes. Yeah, so our AIP, you know, as I said, I'm not very good at the whole macro, but our leadership team made that one of our foci for our AIP last year, so 2023, that it would be seen, writing revolution strategies would be seen in all parts of our English program, but that we would be experimenting with it in at least one other KLA. Um, and so 
you know, then we've upped the ante this year to be experimenting with it in a couple of KLAs, you know, science and re- religions are really, really easy KLA to, to put that in. Uh, I, I mentor a, a first year out and she wrote her reports using the single paragraph outline this year because it just breaks things down for you so well. Do you have any tips that you can share um, with the K-2 teachers listening that in or about or other primary teachers in general about teaching English? Uh, I, I think the low variation curriculum is a really good place to start. There's uh, a good presentation. Lorraine Hammond does it on how to use it that I presented to the staff. Um, I, for me, it just organised all these things for me, I think, was, was how it was really great for me. I think use what is available to you. We have so many resources available through Catholic Ed. You know, the CA have put out so many things for us to use, experiment with them, use them as they are until you get the the flow of, I suppose, them and then manipulate them to suit you. And I, I mean that with the initial products, the very, you know, the very products there. And I mean that with the right to learn, um, resources that are available on Teams, the Syntax Project. I think there's a lot out there and I know it can be overwhelming, but for me, it's not until you start to use them that you know what you're looking for and that you know what suits your class. Yeah. I just want to go a little bit further in how you use Catholic Education Canberra Goulburn's scope and sequence for teaching writing. Are you able to talk just a bit more about that for us? The CE Low Variation Curriculum has quite explicitly broken it into really, it. I mean, it can be more lessons. You, you know, I can categorise sentences into past present and future tense, you could do four lessons on that. But for me, for a week, it's showing me that you need at least two sentence level writing explicit lessons before you're moving into any sort of text level writing. So I think that's quite freeing in some ways because I think we presented originally the text level writing task and and you worked on that. Well, you know, that's I guess how I did, I knew I wanted a, let's say I wanted a character description at the end or let's say I wanted a um, procedural text that was on a treasure map, finding the treasure. Uh, You sort of concentrated on the end product, whereas this maps out some skills before even attempting that guided part of the end product, before the independent part of the end product. So, you know, we, we have access to all these well-written programs for our phonics programs for maths for spelling it's the writing part that is challenging now if you want your writing to be rich you really should be using some rich texts with rich vocabulary within those rich texts because they're in context so for cater two i just think the storybook part of the initial it program it's mapped out a really wide variety of genres for you it's got in there as I said it it tells you on what page you should ask what literal and inferential questions so you're doing that really important part of of reading then it's got a massive focus on vocab and we know that if we want to build really good writers we've got to increase their vocab so that's there for you the words are in context. Um, there's work around those words. It just it 
defines them for you in child-friendly language, which can be difficult to find on the internet. And then it always has a writing task at the end and templates even for those that if you just use some writing revolution strategies to help them come to that end point. So, you know, if it is a narrative text, and I know the writing revolution doesn't heavily, um, their strategies aren't great for narrative writing. There is um, the narrative hill that I've seen in some of the right to learn resources, but you can write a character description using the SPO from the writing revolution, 100%. You know, using those and the writing um, activity, I suppose, that is already there from those initial storybooks, it's it's there. It, it's all that's sort of done for you. It's just you then using the knowledge that you've learnt about explicit instruction that you've learned about about writing through the writing revolution, putting that into play with what's already there. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good advice um, for anyone listening out there. The um, What do you know now that you didn't know before? What do you do now that you didn't do before? What do I know now and what do I do now? They're, they're almost the same thing. I think through this whole Catalyst project and this this science of reading, science of learning for me, it's go slow to go fast. I think I've always had a a bit of a worry that kids are going to get bored when you're repeating things over and over and that, I don't know, the curriculum's crowded, moving on. If it's taught me anything through the process of daily review, through the process of explicit instruction, breaking down things into smaller steps and really... um, going slowly, you will get better results. You will go faster in the end. That knowledge will be shifted from short-term memory to long-term memory and you're doing a disservice if you're not focusing on that, if you're not slowing things down and and taking time for review in every single KLA, then you've wasted a whole year of teaching really. So that's the big takeaway for me from, you know, the recent three or four years of learning through the Catalyst project. That's really, it's a really good takeaway too because um, there's lots there to do and we feel like we all need to do it at the same time. Yeah. And, but to go slow, to go fast is, yeah, is, is really good. Yeah, and really I, good you know, it, it's turned into now, if you think your students are getting bored by going slowly, well, your content isn't rich enough. So up your ante. You know, some knowledge-rich curriculum is, for me, really important too. Um, We've just done the Three World Religions, which is one of the units that CE has provided. And even though it's a history unit, I did it in religion. And, wow, the knowledge that those students now have on Judaism, Christianity and Islam is really rich knowledge and we did it slowly. They can now tell you the key figures of those three religions because we reviewed it all the time, because things were broken down into smaller steps. So instead of me worrying that re- lots of repetition is boring, you up the ante of your content, then it, it won't be boring. So a bit of a flip in my, in my thinking, I suppose. Penny, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Luke. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. And um, we appreciate all of your words of wisdom. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for joining us on Teacher Insights. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, check out the website catalyst.cg.catholic.edu.au. Until next time, keep learning.